0: You're listening to a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. If you want to listen to us in real time, you can stream our show live, weekday mornings at 9 a.m. Central. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: Good morning. I'm Carrie Miller. This is NPR News, coming up Your Letters and the Five with Steph Curtis. But first, a new conversation in our Women of Faith series. We're talking with women who are energized and activated by some of our most urgent spiritual and philosophical questions of the day. So far, we've heard from Nadia Bowles-Weber on where the church fits into sexual flourishing And human wellness.
2: It's really powerful for people to have positive messaging about their sexuality, not just their orientation, but just even their sensuality.
1: Last week, we talked with Sister Simone Campbell about contemplation and social justice. For me, it's about doing a meditation practice where every morning I
0: meditate for about an hour, and it's quiet just listening. And it's not me telling God what to do, which often my prayer was for a long time, (laughs) but
1: it's rather listening and, and trying to be open to Where is God calling me? In the coming weeks, women who practice Buddhism lead a synagogue, belong to evangelical communities, and run a mosque for women. Today, two women who practice no religious faith, Sakivu Hutchinson and Rebecca Watson, bring different experiences and approaches to their atheism. They're interested in where gender and race intersect with it, and we'll talk about that. And while this is still a largely religious country, more Americans are identifying as atheist or agnostic over the last decade. So as our guests join us, I'd like to hear from you. If you are atheist or agnostic, what do you think is most misunderstood about who you are? And if you practice a faith, have you tested your own stereotypes lately about Atheism. 651 for those of you who identify as agnostic or atheist. And if you practice a faith, I want to know if you've put some of those stereotypes that are out there in our culture up against your own beliefs about atheism. Try that. Call in 800 242 2828 651 227 And on Twitter, where I've tweeted out a question about this, at Carrie NPR. Rebecca Watson is the founder of Chick Network and a feminist activist. And she joins us today from San Francisco. Early out there, Rebecca, thanks so much for getting up and doing this. Good to have you.
2: My pleasure. I've got my coffee. I think I'm ready to go.
1: (laughs) Sakivu Hutchinson is with us. She's a playwright, author, and educator. She's the author of the novel White Nights, Black Paradise, with us from LA. You've got your coffee, Sakivu. Are we ready to go?
3: Absolutely. Good morning.
1: Good to have you. Hey, Sakivu, we're a country that clearly associates moral compass and high character with, with a belief in a higher power. I mean, I think that's why we see polling that says Americans. Very few Americans have a warm view of atheism. Is that one of the stereotypes that if you have no faith, you have no value system?
3: Absolutely. It's unfortunately a very uh, persistent and insidious stereotype that continues to hamstring atheists worldwide. um, And disproportionately here in the United States, that somehow if you do not subscribe to a religious belief, that you are not moral you're not ethical that you are are somehow out of you know the context of respectability so atheist women have been pushing back against that stereotype and that caricature for generations now and one of the things that I focus on very firmly in all of my books specifically moral combat black atheist gender politics and the values wars is the degree to which um, that particular belief system has been very subversive of African-American women and women of color, believers, agnostics, skeptics, and free thinkers.
1: I'm going to come right back to you on that. I just want to hear from Rebecca as well on the damaging stereotypes that get it wrong about atheism, Rebecca. What would you say?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there is this horrible stereotype that, that atheists are immoral. Um, and if you look at surveys for things like who would you vote for for president, you can find that most of the country is still uh, unwilling to even vote for an atheist for president because they think that they don't have a moral compass, that they're just going to slap that nuclear button just <laughs> because, you know. Yeah. Um so it really does infect all aspects of our life, and you know it. it and yet, if you look back through the history of this country and uh, around the world, atheists and humanists have often been at the forefront of social justice movements.
1: Let me grab a call here. For, this is probably a good question to get us uh, to do some definition here before we get deeper into the conversation. To Paul in Northfield. Paul, you have a question or a comment about this?
0: Oh, yes. I just want to make a distinction between atheism and agnosticism. Okay. Uh, Gnosticism or agnosticism addresses what we know, and theism addresses what we believe. So it's possible, for example, to be an agnostic atheist, that is, someone who doesn't believe, but isn't sure, doesn't know that that they uh, that there isn't a God.
1: Okay. Let me go back to Rebecca on that. Rebecca, does that definition fit with your understanding of the difference between the two?
2: Yeah, a lot of people have various definitions of these words. I'm actually an atheist, agnostic, and a humanist, all of those things. Um, I'm an atheist in that I I think that there's an overwhelming amount of evidence that there is no God in the universe. I'm an agnostic because I admit that maybe there's something I don't know out there. You know, I can't know everything. Mm and I'm I'm a humanist in that I use that worldview in order to um, be a positive person and to try to make the world a better place for humans because I believe that this is the only – uh, the only life we get, and we should make it a good one for as many humans as possible
1: which which is your values system, right what you 've just described yeah. is what guides your life it 's a set of values
2: yeah uh in in a way yes you know i i I fervently believe that if there is no afterlife, then we need to do everything we can to stop people from being marginalized, to give them all the opportunities that, uh, you know, that the the top of our society has. You know, we need universal health care. We need feminism. We need um, Black Lives Matter. You know, all of these things tie into. Uh, my understanding that this is literally all we've got. It's
1: all anybody's got is this one life. Sakivu, when people ask you what atheism for you means, what's your description of that?
3: Well, obviously there is the foundation of rejecting supernaturalism, rejecting God, rejecting um, what I believe to be um, an irrational subscription to something that is beyond the material world but there's also an ethics and this ties back to the themes that i articulate in my book there's an ethics on really doubling down on the degree to which justice morality being good in the world um you know pursuing social and gender and racial justice is positioned vis-a-vis humanism. Mm -hmm. And so Rebecca invoked humanism. For African-American radical and progressive humanist thinkers, humanism is a a belief system that is based upon rejection of hierarchies like white supremacy Mm -hmm. and colonialism and imperialism and economic disenfranchisement and capitalism. So we take it a, a bit deeper. Um moving away from more eurocentric notions of humanism that simply revolve on this is the only life that we have, we need to do good well let 's look at deconstructing inequities that really inform the disparities between people of color and the upper echelons of society in the United States and in the world, and so that is the full uh, compass of my belief system as an African-American atheist, a free thinker, and a humanist.
1: Rebecca, does that make sense to you, that description of humanism in the context that Sikivu put it in? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, I mean, uh,
2: whatever I say of Sakivu, <clears throat> if Sakivu builds upon that, she's right because <laughs> I she's informed most of my thinking on this, and so uh generally I she's going to say these things way better than I am, and I 100 percent agree with her. Um, it is absolutely about breaking down those inequalities.
1: Uh, Sekivu, I want to come back to what you said at the beginning of the, the discussion. And, and I've been reading some of what you've written about how atheism carries a particularly negative currency among black Americans. And you wrote this Huffington Post essay, despite being among the most religious churched groups in the nation, there are compelling reasons for black women to be attracted to atheism. What, what is the most compelling reason?
3: One of the most compelling reasons is the fact that the Black Church has been an instrument of African-American women's oppression and subjugation, when we look at the fact that the majority of those who head black churches, you know traditional African-American churches across denominations, are African-American men that are very vested in maintaining systems of patriarchy misogyny and misogynoir which is anti-black misogyny um, Mm -hmm. specifically directed towards black women Mm -hmm. and so we can look at for example the degree to which um, the black church has co-signed the subjugation of of black women when it comes to sexual violence and sexual harassment the silencing of of black women and girls, um, the predation on black women and girls, the the silencing and the invisibility of LGBTQI, gender nonconforming, and queer parishioners, um, the degree to which um, the black church has been largely MIA when it comes to preventing and intervening in the HIV-AIDS epidemic in African-American communities the degree to which we um, living in urban communities see scores and scores of small black churches, medium black churches, mega churches that are sucking up valuable resources, you know, that could go to secular um, engagement and, and secular educational development. Can, can so I... there are a lot of reasons um, in my view that, an atheistic, a humanistic, a free-thought-based belief system would be compelling for black women. But our problem is the historical trajectory of black church dominance in the U.S. and in African-American communities in particular. And Can, the
1: fact that it, 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 the, the i just paradox wanna, is... I, yes. I want to ask you something about that, though. Um, I mm-hmm. hear your criticism of the black church. Has the black church done anything more damaging, hierarchical, patriarchal than the white church, than different denominations of the white church has?
3: Well, I think that needs to be qualified, because what I was going to say, um, you know, before you posed your question, mm-hmm. is that certainly if we, we look at the historical influence of African-American churches, African-American churches have been signaled as far as being a, a resource and a restorative space for African-Americans mm-hmm. that, you know, we can look at the founding of the AME church in the early 1800s and how the, the African-American Methodist church was foundational for black resistance, for black organizing, for black politics, for black education. So I'm not discounting the, the signal and the positive role that African American religiosity, specifically Protestant Christian religiosity, has had on the African American political trajectory and mm-hmm. the cultural trajectory. But what I'm saying is that that we need to look at it in a more complex way when it comes to black women's agency and the agency of queer and gender nonconforming and LGBTQ folk within the African American community, that there's a paradox there that an atheistic, a humanistic, a free-thought perspective um, can really deconstruct and move African Americans forward when it comes to achieving equity and enfranchisement okay. in the United States.
1: I hear you on on that part of it. I think I, I interrupted too soon. Uh, Sakivu Hutchinson is with us this morning. She's a playwright, author, educator, and one of our guests to talk about atheism in our Women of Faith series, Rebecca Watson is with us. She's the founder of the Skep Chick Network, and she's a feminist activist. You have been calling for a conversation about atheism and agnosticism, and we're having that this morning. And I want to ask you, if you identify as atheist or agnostic, what do you think is most misunderstood about who you are and how you express your belief system? And if you practice a faith— I'm curious about whether you've tested some stereotypes lately or tested some of the questions that come up for you for people who identify as atheists. This is your opportunity to call in and join the conversation, 651-227-6000, 800-242-2828, on Twitter, at Carrie NPR. Chris says, I agree that the biggest misconception is that there's no basis for morality. I'm an atheist, one of the most ethical people I know. I try to do the right thing because it's the right thing, not because I'm following the direction of a god or afraid of punishment. Another listener here, let me page down. We have a lot of uh, comments here. Okay, Anaya says, I was raised Roman Catholic, spent 15 years as an evangelical. I now identify as a skeptic who meditates. The biggest misconception about atheism is that it has no moral compass, I would argue instead that religion is not a sufficient basis for morality. Rebecca, I want to ask you about why the atheist and agnostic movements have been so white and male. I know this is something that you give some considerable thought to. How have we ended up here? Yeah, I
2: mean, it comes from a long line of uh, white and male people, um, atheists, agnostic skeptics, humanists. Um, continually pushing away uh, anyone who is a uh, marginalized black woman. Um, e- and it's been happening all throughout history. We have uh, a very deep history of um, people who aren't white and male, who have made great contributions to uh, atheist thinking, but they tend to be conveniently forgotten. We see the same thing, you know, everything that you see that happens in the sciences pretty much has happened uh, in atheism and uh, skepticism. And, you know, it's still happening today. Unfortunately, it's very difficult for marginalized voices to be heard over top of those of people like Richard Dawkins, Mm. Sam Harris, Mm. um, you know, even the ghost of Christopher Hitchens continues (laughs) to, uh, you know, be cast over us. Um, and, and it's difficult. Usually, you know, the only time the press. Turns to us is when uh, they're doing special pieces like women of faith. You know, <laughs> yes. if you were if you were just doing a, a piece on people of faith, there's a very good chance you know your producers would have been out there trying to get Richard Dawkins
1: because he's oh, got. Oh, don't more be cash. so sure about that. It's a team of <laughs> women here, Rebecca. I, mean, I hear you, nonetheless. Okay, okay. All right, I got gotcha.
2: you. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, in general, yeah. The, you know, we we get added to these lists every now and again, like. <laughs> (laughs) Hey, ladies, where are all the atheist (laughs) ladies at? And then somebody makes a list, and then everyone ignores it. Um, And and because of that, yeah, we have uh, issues. You know, I when I was coming up in atheism, I saw the lack of women, and I started giving talks that were based on, hey, here is where uh, women's issues overlap with those of atheists and skeptics. You know, things like um, people in the US government who are using religion as a way to clamp down on women's rights. That's something that affects, you know, that's an atheist issue. It's a separation of church and state issue. And it's a women's issue. Let's talk about that. Let's get more women actively involved in fighting that. And for the most part, you know, when I would give these speeches in person, I was lauded and, you know, thanked by both men and women. And then the internet happens, and I got nothing but death threats. Um, and, you know, it, it, I'll be honest, it made me want to quit. Uh, at times, you know, I, I it had a huge impact on my mental health. And it's only because I'm extremely stubborn that I kept going. And you know what I get as a white cis straight woman um, is nothing compared to what black women get what what, you know, people who aren't straight who aren't cis what they get from these same people. There's this Community of atheists who are these edge lords on on Reddit and 4chan, who are gatekeeping, and they get angry when they see people with opinions who aren't white and male, and they try to shout them down. And so it's an uphill battle for us.
1: You know, it reminds me in reading what what you've been through with this, it reminded me a lot of the gamer community, bro-heavy, sexist, yeah, white, full of trolls and sexists.
2: I mean is there It's a, like yeah. groundhog day where you know <laughs> I went through something really horrible and now you know and that was 10 years ago now I think or something and um now I get to see it happen again and again and again to women in science to women in video games to women in comics that's happening right now like wow. everything you saw with gamergate everything you saw with me right now it's happening with comics. And, you know, it just happens over and over and over again. It's very difficult, but it's what makes me want to keep fighting it.
1: Good, because it's infuriating. Let me t- grab some calls. <laughs> yeah. Just had to say that. Uh, to Brian in Victoria. Hi, Brian. Hey, thanks. Thanks so, for calling in. What are you thinking morning. about?
0: Yeah, the the main conception that I have experienced as someone who identifies as atheist slash agnostic is that um, some people of faith may interpret my beliefs as anti-religion, and I'm really not. I was raised in the Catholic faith. I feel I'm culturally Catholic, um, and I think I may have derived a lot of my morality from that. But um, I'm not really anti-faith. In fact, sometimes I actually miss it. I I wish it was true at times. Um, And I'm just surprised by the negativity by um, believers. I almost feel like my beliefs threaten theirs, and I'm really surprised by that. Um, but I, I try to convey that I'm I'm not attacking them. I'm just trying to come up with my own meaning in life. Well, and thanks I, for, you know, thanks Brian, for call.
1: Sakivu, this may be where what uh, Rebecca calls the ghost of Christopher Hitchens and Dawkins, still kind of overshadowing the perception. Because I think Dawkins is vehemently anti-religion. I've interviewed him a couple times. He's part of the problem. I think he's every bit as fundamentalist as you know, people you would find in in religious faiths. Do you think that's how the reputation of being anti-religious has developed?
3: Yes. When you have people that are very aggressive and very inflammatory when it comes to the cultural and historical significance of religion, not being, let's just say, sensitive to that or in any way critically conscious about how religion, you know, has played a constructive and reinforcing role in many aspects, but also an insidious and pernicious role in many aspects, when you don't have a nuanced perspective on that, Mm -hmm. and that becomes sort of the default position of atheism globally, then it's problematic for everyday atheists, like myself and Rebecca and scores of other non believers, humanists, secularists, who are engaging in progressive social change, who are having conversations, you know, with theists that don't revolve around, you know, making these, you know, ad hominem attacks on religiosity, you know, without some type of consciousness. So I think that's the problem with Dawkins and Harris and some of the other extremists, that you you have this total cluelessness about the specific role. And if we look at communities of color, the the intersectional role that religion plays in folks' lives. You know, the fact that if you are in an urban African-American community and there are no cultural centers, around. There are no, you know, accessible educational centers, after school programs, food pantries, what have you that are secular. Yeah. You can go to a storefront church, a mid sized church, a mega church, and receive those services in many instances. So that I think is the deficit in the very absolutist and reductive thinking that Dawkins et al. you know have really popularized. And so the atheist movement has devolved into this caricature, right, you know, of right. of white bros, basically.
1: And and yet what what you just said about the role that the church plays in communities of color, I, I, I don't think you're here to say and that's not the that's not the place people ought to be going for after school. I mean you you support the idea of the role the church is playing it right in the absence of some other options. In the absence
3: of. In the absence of. You know, because that is part and parcel of the hyper segregation of communities of color. So that's a byproduct of white supremacy and institutional racism and the fact that secular organizations, humanist organizations of color are still emergent. And in many instances can't get small business loans or, you know, loans for, you know, non-profit organizations to open up facilities, you know, that are going to service a broad array of folks, you know, from, from different worldviews, secularist, you know, to religious. We don't have that type of infrastructure in communities of color. And so what fills the vacuum is religious institutions. All
1: right. Macklin says on Twitter. If, could I? Oh, I'm sure. Of course, Rebecca, go ahead. Uh, Yeah,
2: just real quick, I want to add on to that. I I often bristle, even though as much as I disagree with people like Richard Dawkins, I often bristle about comparing him directly to the worst of, you know, um, the the most extreme religious people. However, I think what they do have in common is a lack of intersectionality. Um, That's kind of at the heart of what we're talking about here is that, um, you know, intersectionality is this idea that – you know there are competing um, marginalizations that we need to consider, and Richard Dawkins doesn't do it when he's blasting religion without thinking about the role it plays in people's lives, and also religions are doing it when we look at things like um, the Salvation Army. You know provides a great service to people who are homeless, but at the same time is virulently, virulently anti LGBT, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and so. If we don't, we can have both of those things. You know, we we can care about the homeless and uh, care about LGBTQ people. But, but Rebecca, um,
1: here's my beef with Dawkins. I, I hear you said you bristle. You don't like the comparison. Uh, he's yeah. contemptuous. That that I think is the commonality with you know I, you will I find agree. that there are... in religion a contempt for the ways and the beliefs of people of other faiths among fundamentalist And boy, do I hear that in Dawkins. I heard it in, in several interviews with him. And, and you know, I think that
2: what he's missing is having the full power of a uh, church system behind him. Um, but mm-hmm. he is getting that, you know, and, and that's why I always used to bristle about it, because he's not out there, um, you know, putting on crusades, you know, but he is helping to spread hate now. And with the advent of uh internet forums like, you know, 4chan and yeah. 8chan. Um, he is now getting that army of of uh people who hate and will kill because of that hatred. You know, the um some of our uh recent white male mass murderers have been frequenting those forums and parroting those ideas. So it is Entering into the same realm that I find that religious hatred is has already you know done for centuries, um, I, I I think that up until the last ten years or so, I think that you know you can talk about the similarities without saying that they're they're one hundred percent equal. Okay, Richard Dawkins fair. and the Pope.
1: I, I, I hear you loud and clear on that. Rebecca Watson Sakivu Hutchinson with us this morning. As we talk about where race and gender and culture fit into atheism, some of the stereotypes that we bring to a conversation like this, and your calls and questions about it. And I'd like to hear from—we have a number of callers on on the phone line here. We'll get to hear from you as well. But I want to hear about whether, as you practice a faith, um, you've tested your own beliefs, your own questions about atheism. Instead of just feeling superior, come on, you know it, 651 on Twitter, at Carrie NPR. Just a few of your letters coming up and The Five with Steph Curtis, but back to our conversation with Rebecca Watson, founder of Skepchik Network, and Sakivu Hutchinson, playwright, author, educator and author of the novel White Knights Black Paradise, and other books about what we're talking about this hour. Mark says on Twitter, you ask why all the white men and patriarchy and religion? I say that this is the emergent property of our leader-follower social instinct. As thinking animals, we can accept that that guy is the top dog, so he's the god. Cows don't do this. Shayla says on Twitter, I'm an atheist and female. We can all coexist peacefully without shoving our beliefs or lack thereof down each other's throats. I don't feel the need to even talk about my atheism unless asked about it. I wish more people, atheists or otherwise, did the same to the phones to Sherry in Minneapolis. Hi, Sherry. Thank you so much for waiting through the news break. I'm glad you did. No
0: problem. No problem. I just um, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to speak to like the white maleness of the atheist and agnostic movement. Yeah, and I was saying, you know, representation matters and Christianity and Catholicism kind of holds um white men um to a standard being, you know, the gods and moral leaders and I could see why considering a lot of the atrocities that we are that we continue to live through, why white males might be eager to disassociate with that um, leadership role, considering that we're not doing so hot, um, you know, following these uh, moral guidelines that they have kind of are um, uh, that that have been set out for us. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I could see the eagerness for them to want to to want to kind of move towards something that didn't put them in the forefront.
3: That's,
1: uh, yeah, that's just my comment. Yeah, Sikuvu, what do you make of that?
3: Well, I think that the, the white male dominance of atheism has a lot to do with the, the science dominance, domination of, of atheism in terms of those that have been put forward as the premier thinkers and the framers of an atheist ideology, and they're coming from higher education They're coming primarily from the scientific community. You know, Dawkins, obviously, is an evolutionary biologist. Mm -hmm. And so there's been um, an eclipse of women of color and white women and queer and gender nonconforming folk who may be coming from a different perspective, coming from the social sciences, coming from politics, coming from organizing. And that's been devalued. Because there has been this really pernicious belief propagated that women are less rational than men, that women uh, cleave to religion in disproportionate numbers because of this irrationality. And so if you look at the, um, the gender dist- distribution of you know, atheists in the United States, 64% are male. are female. But I've posited that it has a lot to do with the institutionalization of gender respectability when it comes to subscribing to organized religion. And so we see this played out in the African-American community to the extent that black women have always been constructed as hypersexual, as immoral, as Jezebels, as basically the antithesis of white femininity, which has historically been put on a, on a pedestal. And black women have pushed back against that caricature and that stereotype by being more religious, more moral, uh, more beholden to faith because of the historical investment of African-American communities in Christianity, but also because of misogynoir which means anti-black misogyny, against black women, this belief that black women are not moral, are not ethical, are hypersexual. So we have these intersectional dynamics you know, playing into the quote-unquote hyper-religiosity of black women in particular and women of color in general. This also holds tr- true for Latinx communities that are predominantly you know, Catholic and evangelical-oriented.
1: Call uh, here, Rebecca, for you from Michael in St. Paul. Hey, Michael, thank you for waiting. What you want to add?
0: Hello. I' Sorry to add the exhausted perspective of a 24-year-old white male. But, <laughs> Not at all. Um, um, uh, I thought I could speak to, like, the toxicity of these online communities. So I, w- I went to Catholic private high schools all the way up, or Catholic private school all the way up through college. Uh-huh. And when I was a sophomore in high school, I discovered Reddit. And being a, you know, logical, scientifically obsessed person, like, I just started being attracted to r slash atheism. And that's where I started getting exposed to these different, um, you know, criticisms of religion and stuff. And while they, you know, kind of got me away from religion, a few years later, once I was, you know, comfortable in my belief system Mm -hmm. regarding evidence and science and religion... I really started to notice how toxic those communities actually were. Like, I couldn't even stand to be by them anymore because it was just, it just seemed like what we've seen so much in 2016 and, and on, just so many, like, disenfranchised people who are just so angry. And it's like, why are you so angry? I found myself being, you know, angry that someone was religious or held beliefs. I caught myself being ah. like, wait a second, this is a human being we're, we're talking about. Th- you know, th- like, this
1: is the online forums you're talking about, Michael? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Reddit. I wasn't on 4chan, but r slash atheism on Reddit. Um, it just, now that I look back on it, it just seemed like a whole bunch of white dudes just really <laughs> looking for people to be <laughs> really mad at and dehumanizing people for their beliefs. And I'm – yeah, like I said, like if I come across a post while I'm scrolling on Reddit, I'm just like, wow, that's very aggressive and not productive at all.
1: Rebecca, uh, that matches your experience it sounds like.
2: Yeah. I mean he he uses a good phrase there, which is um, once he became comfortable with his belief system – I think one of the issues we see happening is a deep, deep insecurity amongst uh, young white men, uh, and they are gathering together in forums that actively reward that insecurity. You know, they upvote each other, like the angrier, the nastier they are, the more they are rewarded with fake internet points. And you know, study after study has shown how this tends to spiral out of control. It creates these pockets of hatred that then eventually leak out into the real world, as we've seen more and more often. Um, and if you don't mind, real quick, I want to um, dial back to one of those tweets um, where someone said that uh, the white maleness of atheism is due to us naturally looking for a leader. Mm-hmm. And I think Sikivu, um her response made this pretty clear, but just to put a pin in it, um, the fact that you naturally think like, well, we're looking for a leader, there's a white man, he must be the leader. Mm -hmm. That's the issue is that this, it it is this idea that women aren't rational, that they can't be leaders. And, you know, there is a problem with the many of the men having come from the sciences, but many of them didn't. And what I found, you know, I used to do a a podcast with five atheist men. And we would regularly get emails from people complaining about me saying, Rebecca doesn't have a science degree. <laughs> oh, what is she doing so on this show? So predictable. So predictable. And I yeah. do I actually do have a Bachelor of Science, <laughs> and I was one of only two people on that show who did. Four oh. men did not, and never got a single email about their lack of scientific knowledge. It was just assumed that they must
1: have mm-hmm. a, a scientific background, <laughs> and assumed that I did not. Mm. Uh, here's what I'd like to do, because I, he, I I also hear you both on, okay, you're doing a series and you wanted the atheists in the series. So what I'd like to do is communicate with both of you via email and for you to suggest some other ideas for conversations for us, because I, I think we could go far beyond where we've been today. And I, I just love hearing what both of you think. So can we do that and, and sure. uh, plan to come back for more conversation? Good. Uh, Rebecca Sakivu, thank you very, very much for getting up early in California and joining the discussion. <laughs> really, really. Good to have of you course. here. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: Sakivu Henderson Hutchinson is a playwright, author, educator. You'll find a number of books by her, including um, White Nights in Black Paradise, a novel. And Rebecca Watson is the founder of the Chick Network. She does a lot of writing. She's also a feminist activist.
0: just heard a recording of a live radio show from npr news you can add your voice to the discussion by calling in at 800-242-2828 or tweeting us at Carrie k-e-r-r-i npr to hear more conversations like this subscribe to our podcast and thanks